Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. With you this morning, I would like to invite each of you to open with me to the book of Ephesians chapter 3. The book of Ephesians chapter 3. And before we actually get into the Word, let me just restate some things. Just, just to restate some things that I shared with you concerning the will of God for Christian assembly. You will recall that I declared to you that it is the will of the, of the Father that we, as members of Christ's body, and of course, as a part of the whole body of Christ, make walking in the realm of divine love our aim for the upcoming year 1988, and that we begin to provoke one another to love like never before, to love and good works. And that means that we truly love one another and show that love for one another in deed and in truth. That means sincerity in action, language, conduct, character. We said it will take labor, a lot of work, because basically man is selfish and self-centered and self-willed, and to make any kind of change or adjustment in his character will take a lot of work. We get set in our own ways, established in our own character, and we don't want to change, and seemingly it's very difficult for us to change. But because God's love has been shed abroad in our hearts, because we've been born again, washed in the blood of the Lamb, old things are passed away, all things have become new. We have divine potential to love as He has loved us. And it is the Father's desire that a people upon the face of this earth make it their aim to walk in the realm of this love, to take love serious, and to walk in that realm of His love like never before, to bring forth the light of the knowledge of the glory of God to a world that's lying in darkness. And so I just say to you once again, I will be teaching along the lines of love, not a particular series such as 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, but just different titles, different messages, but all on the love of God. And uh, we'll continue to do that as, as uh, much as I'm led to do it in effort to have it sink into our hearts so that we can truly begin to walk in that realm and make love our practice and personal experience. Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 14, says, For this cause I bow my knee unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of His glory, to be strengthened with might by His Spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in our hearts by faith, that we, being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the breadth, underline that, the length, underline that, the depth, underline that, and the height, to know the love of Christ that passeth knowledge, that ye may be filled with all the fullness of God. 
the length, the breadth, the, the breadth, the length, the depth, the height. In other words, the endless dimensions of God's love. And that's exactly what we'll title our message, Love's Endless Dimensions. Shall we pray? Our Heavenly Father, we give thanks to you for your holy written word, thanking you that we can trust our lives to its provisions. Thank you that the word became flesh and dwelt among us. Thank you, dear Father God, that your word is alive, full of power, full of life. Thank you for watching over your word to perform it, to make it good. And we thank you that no word that you've spoken shall return void, but it shall accomplish that which you please and prosper in the thing whereunto you sent it. We make our ears attentive, our hearts receptive, and our minds open to your word this morning as an act of our will, believing that the spirit of truth will reveal to our hearts the deep, rich treasures of your word and cause revelation knowledge of all things that pertain to life and godliness to be enlarged within our spirit man. I thank you for utterance in the Holy Ghost to boldly proclaim the truth and demonstration of your spirit of power. And I thank you for making my tongue as the pen of a ready writer to bring it forth, dear Father God, to glorify you in all that is said and done. Seeds of life taking root within the heart of every person, producing fruit in each and every life. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Once again, notice that verse 18. He says he wants us to be rooted and grounded in love. Why? That we may be able to comprehend with all saints... What is the breadth, or the width, the length, the depth, and height that is to know the love of Christ, that passage or far supersedes human knowledge? When Jesus came to this earth, or at the time of his birth, I should say, the entire world was lying in darkness and bound under the tyranny of spiritual death. The condition of man's heart was one of selfishness. For the result of spiritual death always makes one selfish. Self-centered. Self-willed. Full of pride. Well, God looked upon the circle of the earth and he saw the condition, the condition of man's heart. And actually in Genesis chapter 6 the Bible says that he even repented that he made man. Because man's heart was full of wickedness and evil. He was subject to his own emotional desires and physical appetites and lusts. This condition made it difficult, if not impossible, for him to live at peace and in harmony with other people. You see, the effect even tore apart individual family units. There was not. Peace. There was no peace. It produced turmoil. It produced anxiety, fear, worry. Wars. Rumors of wars. Every destructive force that you can consider and name was the direct result of this fallen condition of mankind. And when Jesus came as a babe in the manger, He came as love's intrusion into a world of selfishness. He came as love's intrusion into a world of self-centeredness, where people were self-willed, concerned only about self and no one else. 
concerned about getting their own way, doing their own thing, providing for themselves. And as far as they were concerned, it didn't matter what happened to anyone else. What a terrible state. What a condition. No wonder there were divorces. No wonder people stealed, cheated, lied. No wonder no one cared about his neighbor or was concerned about giving or being humble. You see, his spirit was filled with and full of death. The very nature of the enemy of God, Satan himself. And he couldn't help but to act the way he did because, you see, Satan himself is the epitome of selfishness, pride, arrogance, being self-willed. For he said, I will cause my throne to be even higher than the throne of God. Can you imagine that Jesus came into this kind of a world? Love in action, love in motion, actually believing that he could make an impact and an effect in the lives of human beings to such a degree that he can change the entire world? Can you imagine God in his infinite wisdom, knowledge, and understanding believing that the best way he could remedy the situation of mankind and solve the human problem would be to become a man himself and come to the earth as a babe, no less? And begin to reveal himself to mankind as a loving, caring, heavenly father. The human mind cannot understand the endless dimensions of God's love. We can meet together Christmas time, Easter time. We can celebrate our Lord's birth, his death, burial, and resurrection. We can go through the emotions, all the motions. But my brother and sister... The human mind can never and cannot and never will calculate the endless dimensions of God's love when it comes to understanding just how far-reaching the love of God is. I'd like to get the greatest of all mathematicians and sit him down and, and say, just multiply this one out. Breath times length times depth times height, God's love, calculate it, figure it out for me. You see, it's impossible. But I'm going to tell you something, we're going, we're going to attempt this morning to enlighten ourselves unto it. And I believe that when we walk throughout those, through those doors, after this service is over, hearts are going to be transformed and changed, lives are going to be transformed, and we will have a deeper appreciation of what God has done for us in His great plan of redemption and what Jesus actually did for us in the fulfillment of the Father's plan. You see, Jesus was love in motion. His birth was love's intrusion to a world of darkness and selfishness. The incarnation was the union of deity and humanity in the person of Jesus Christ. We can say that Jesus was love's personification. Love personified. 
brought out into a realm where men can possibly see the invisible God. He came for the purpose of destroying the works of the devil. He came for the purpose of delivering man from the tyranny of spiritual death. And if you'll turn with me, you've got your scripture there, you're underlining those words, to John 3.16. I want to share with you from God's holy word how the incarnation reveals love's length. How the incarnation reveals love's length. Ephesians 3.18 said that we are to know the breadth, the length, the depth, and the height of God's love. And although these books were written like 26 years apart, although they were penned by different authors... Of course, talking about John being the author of one, we're talking about Paul being the author of the other, and of course, both inspired by the Holy Spirit of God. These two scriptures perfectly correspond in revealing the endless dimensions of God's love. And if we would take time to, to sit before these scriptures and meditate upon what they are saying, I believe that even though the human mind cannot possibly calculate these endless dimensions, that the person's human spirit will begin to perceive just how great the Father's love is toward mankind and just how sincere His attitude is toward the world and just how much He really cares about each and every individual person that walks upon the face of this earth. I want you to notice the first part of this verse in John three sixteen. It says, for God so loved the world. And if you're taking notes or if you write in your Bible, would you just write down there that that reveals love's breath or with, however you want to say it. For God so loves loved the world. To be rooted and grounded in God's love, we must understand or have perception of the endless dimensions of God's love. And these two scriptures together reveal those endless dimensions. For God so loved the world reveals the breadth, the width of God's love. It includes the world. It includes everything within the world. This love is not selfish. This love is not self-centered. This love is not self-willed. This love is aggressive. This love is so wide you can't get around it. If it had a starting point, it just goes from one direction to the other direction. So wide you cannot possibly get around it. It includes everything it comes in contact with, everything within its path. It includes the loveless. It includes the merciless. It includes the down and out. It includes... Male, female, Jew, Gentile. It has no racial barriers. It has no prejudice. It includes the thankless, the ungrateful, the black, the white, the yellow. It doesn't matter. It includes anything, everything, every person, every being, 
it includes all. This love is so wide, it includes the world. The people of the city, the people of the town, the people of the nation, the people of the world. Out of every kindred, out of every people, out of every tongue, every language, it includes all. God so loved the world is the breath of God's love. Imagine that in terms of this. How much do you love your next-door neighbor? How much do you love those people that you work with? How much do you love your associates at school, your peers? How much do you love the fellow who pumps your gas at the gas station? How much do you love your wife? How much do you love your children? How much do you love those you fellowship with at church? I'm not talking about sloppy agape. I'm talking about love. I am talking about a genuine, caring, concerned, a genuine love for people upon the face of this earth who were made by God in the image of God for His glory, for His purpose, and for His pleasure. How far-reaching is your love? How much can you even love the one you're married to? Have you ever tried to tell your wife or your husband how much you really love him or her? You say it with words, and then words become inadequate. You show it in actions, and you wonder, can I ever do enough? If you really deeply love her or love him, you find yourself in a position that I just don't know how to express it as well as I'd like to. You bring her flowers, you bring her a present. It says, I love you. But you still come up short. You feel so inadequate. I haven't satisfied that longing desire within myself to really convey to her the deep love that I have for her. And you're at a loss for words and you end up saying, Honey, I just love you. I don't know how else to say it. I don't know how else to show it. I just want you to know that I love you. When your children walk up to you and give you a hug around the neck, I mean, that in itself is an expression of love and that in itself reveals love and says love without communicating it with words. They don't have to say, Daddy, I love you, Mommy, I love you. It's that hug, the tight hug around the neck. Now, with DJ and Lisa, those hugs, you know, that's all they said. But when Jason came along, a tight hug like that meant you got to pray for your neck. <laughs> Believe me, more than once. But what are you saying? What they are saying is, I really love you, and I want to express that love to you. And you can hug other children. And you love doing it. But there's still something different about your own child. When your own child comes to you and throws his or her arms around you and hugs you and says, I love you. How much do we love others who are around us? The breath of God's love includes the same love without partiality, without respect of persons. 
not just to one or two or three or four, but it includes the entire world. That is the breath of God's love. How can we calculate it? He knows every hair in our heads. He knows every thought in our minds. He knows our coming in, our going out, our rising up, our lying down. He knows everything. He is intimate and intimately involved in every person's life. He has a concern, a caring. How can you say it with proper words? He loves everyone. Millions, about billions of people who have been in, upon this earth since the time that Adam was created. And His love is so great that it reaches every single one equally. Can you calculate that? I said, can you really calculate that? We have divine potential to love. He does this in reality. We are developing that potential to love one another. He does it automatically. For God so loved the what? Reveals the endless breath of God's love. Secondly, look at the next part of that. That He gave His only begotten Son. Underline it and write it in your Bible that this reveals love's length. This reveals love's length. And it shows to us what length God would go to prove His love for the world. It's one thing to say, I love you. It's another thing to prove your love. The incarnation was the creator of all mankind becoming a part of His own creation. And since we're, we're, this is Christmas season, Christmas time, let's focus in a little bit more on this. This is the incarnation the celebration of love's personification and intrusion into a world that was lying in darkness under the tyranny of spiritual death, controlled by selfishness. We are celebrating love's coming into this realm of selfishness. It reveals what length God would go to show His love, to demonstrate His love for the world. He didn't just come for one. He didn't just come for two. He came to show His love, to demonstrate His love, to speak out His love, whether it be in word, whether it be in conduct or character, whether it be in actions. He came to show that love to the entire world. Can we understand the length of God's love? Here's an idea. The creator of all mankind, the one who created the heavens, the earth, the sea, and all that are in the midst, the one who made man, formed him from the dust of the earth and breathed into him the breath of life, causing him to become a living soul, the one who hung the stars and the moon and the sun in the sky to love the earth and provided all the planets and all that is in the system to have its loving effect upon the earth. The one who is clothed with honor and majesty, who is covered with light as a garment. The one who lays the beams of his chambers in the waters. The same one who walks upon the wings of the wind. The same one who makes his angels, spirits, and his ministers of flaming fire. The same one who laid the foundations of the earth. They shall not be removed forever. The same one who set the boundaries of the sea and the water shall not pass over at His word. The same one who did all these things went to this length 
He actually took on human form. He actually denied himself. He actually stripped himself of all of his glory, all of his majesty, all of his might, and became a part of his own creation. In the manger, the babe that was born, love's personification, the Word became flesh. Emmanuel, God, is now with us in the form of a human being. Your mind can't calculate that. I've told you before, it's like the artist paints the picture, and once he gets done, by some amazing process, he becomes the little tree or the little person that he painted there on that picture. The great artist of all the world, the greatest creator of all, actually became a part of his handiwork. It staggers the mind. It's mind-boggling. It passes human knowledge. We can't grasp it in our mind. It doesn't seem feasible. It's like you're out there on the moon, in a spaceship, and you're looking down upon the circle of the earth and you see it just like a little ball, like a little marble down there. And there's God way out there in the heavens of heavens. And all of a sudden, by this process, that same God just comes right on in and there He is, born in a manger. Your mind can't calculate that. Why does He do this? Because He loves. Because He loves the world. He did this to show His love. He couldn't communicate that love any other way. He can holler there from the heavens, I love you. But He knew that words were not enough. You can tell your wife, you can tell that person, I love you. But words were not enough. They're not enough. We want to demonstrate that love. We want to bring forth that love. We want to reveal that love in an intimate way to our wives, to our children. But seemingly we always come up short. It's like something holds us back. There's some, some barrier, communication gap. We just cannot get it across to them like we truly want to. And God was the same way. There's man in that lost condition. He's in that lost state. He is an enemy of God Himself. He is a child of the devil. The Bible says, Jesus says, you're of your father, the devil. You'll do His works because you're, you're his, his offspring. But yet God so loved the world, which was His breath, the breath of His life, that He gave, which is the length of His love, His only begotten Son to take on human form, to strip Himself of all of His glory, power, and might to become subject to His own creation, to walk upon the earth He created. Yes, He can still the storm and the, and the waves of the sea. Why? Was it so amazing? He created them. He set the boundaries of the sea. No wonder He can walk upon it. Yes, He can speak to that fig tree and say, No man, He fear thee hereafter forever, for He made the fig tree. All things are made by Him, and without Him there is not anything made that was made. That is the living Word. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. God Himself went to this length to reveal His great love wherewith He loves the world. Now, can you, can you fathom that? Can you understand that? You can't even think it through. Our thinking processes want to stop right there and say, I can't calculate this. How does God become a man? It has baffled the minds of biologists and just everyone. How can this possibly be? It defies the laws of science. The human mind just can't discover it. You can't find it under a microscope. 
everything in the natural says it's an impossibility. Human knowledge comes up bankrupt and empty when it tries to explore it. And so baffled, they just walk away and say, this is something that one cannot understand, so it cannot be true. People of God, only the recreated human heart can begin to perceive this breath and this length of God's love. But you know what? I don't want to stop right there at the breath and length of God's love because there's another dimension of God's love. And I say this with all the love in my heart and in no way an indictment against the body of Christ because we're dealing in this realm of, an, of, of infinite wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. When it comes to the depth of God's love, I would say that 99% of believers haven't even begun to look into it. Note the next part of this. It says that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever who believeth in Him should not perish. Underline that expression. Whosoever believeth in Him should not perish. And note this. This reveals the depth of God's love. To what depth did love descend to prove beyond any shadow of a doubt that God Himself loves mankind. Jesus said, Greater love hath no man. See, these are the dimensions. Greater love hath no man. Then what? Then this. That a man do what? That a man lay down his life for his friends. So we see that this act of laying down his life for his friends unto death is the greatest act that love can ever perform. This act of Jesus Christ, the union of, of deity with humanity, laying down his life, the emptying of self for his friends is the greatest act of love that any individual can possibly perform. And it reveals the depth, or it reveals to what depth God, His love, descended just to prove to mankind, I really love you. In other words, not just to say it with words, the Father Himself loveth you. But as you begin to see the breath, He loves the world equally. As you see the length, to prove it, to demonstrate it, he, the author of life, the creator of all things, became a part of His own creation to walk on it. It staggers the mind. But if that's not enough, He doesn't stop there. What depth, to what depth would He descend? Imagine it from the throne in all its glory and dignity and power and majesty and splendor and might. He descends to the manger in humility, to become a man, to be robed with human flesh, to walk as a man, as a mere man subject to his own creation. But he doesn't stop there. What is the depth to the cross, to the grave, and to Hades itself? And you know, when you say that right, right off the bat, when you start saying things like that, you're under indictment. Because, you see, the major part of the body of Christ, they don't even see this. They don't, they don't want to hear that he entered Hades. 
and your heart can just cry out. Because you see, my brother and sister, unless a person realizes that Jesus not only went to the cross, He also went to the grave, and He also went to Hades, they will never comprehend the depth, which is one of the endless dimensions of God's love. They'll never comprehend it. They'll never have the deep perception of, of God's great love wherewith He loves mankind. The depth of God's love was revealed when Jesus died on the cross becoming our sin. When His body was separated from His spirit and soul and His body went to the grave. And His spirit man entered into Hades to pay the supreme sacrifice for our sins. To satisfy the claims of justice that were being held against man before He arose from the dead as our Lord and Savior, as King of Kings. Can anyone calculate the depth of God's love? How many of us would go to a cross for someone who is just a friend? How many of us would go to a cross for somebody who is evil, who is not a friend? See, that's not in harmony, or that's not in line with human thinking, with the nature of man. For man does not want to die. Man does not want to lay down his life for anyone or to give up his life or to give up his privileges or to give up that which belongs unto him to help somebody else. Man would prefer... He'll help somebody as long as it's only out of his overflow. But when it hits the depth of a person's heart, when it hits his own life, his own home, where he lives, will he then give out of his own need and prefer his brother before himself. The average person won't. But God himself, wanting to reveal the depth of his love, took upon himself the sin of the human race, took upon himself spiritual death, the nature of darkness, of evil, and he did it for every crook, every criminal, Every individual person in the lowest strata of life, every king, every prince, every president of any nation, he did it for all. And he became it for all. And he dealt with it for all so that all can see the depth of his love, to what depth he would descend just to reveal how much He loves us. Once again, the mind cannot understand it. Last part says in, in verse 16, but shall have everlasting life. Write it down. This reveals love's height. This reveals love's height. God's love has lifted us from the lowest depths of hell to the highest summits of glory. We who are born again, who have actually received the life and the nature of God inside our recreated human spirit, we have been lifted out of the very depths of hell, not the earth, but we've been lifted out of the very depths of hell itself, and we've been exalted, raised up to the highest summits of glory. For we are heirs of God, we are joint heirs with Jesus, meaning equal heirs. We are kings, 
We are priests unto our God, and we shall reign with Him throughout all the earth. God, in revealing the height of His love, shows that He is so unselfish that He is willing to share His glory and the glories of His kingdom with those He calls His children. It wasn't just to help us to have a better life upon the earth. To help us make provisions for the future. His love is so genuine and so sincere that He says, I want them to reign with me in my eternal kingdom and to share in the joy of that kingdom throughout the eternal ages that I may, through them, show the endless mercy that I possess and put on a show throughout the eternal coming ages for all to see. I want you to look at this scripture with me in Ephesians chapter 3 now, and we'll close it right here. That's exactly what... Or Ephesians chapter 2. That's exactly what this scripture says that God's going to do. In the revelation of the height of God's love. Ephesians chapter 2. Let's begin reading at verse 1. And you hath he quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins, where in times past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom we all had our conversation in times past, fulfilling the lust, desires of the flesh and the lust of the mind, and were by nature children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in what? Mercy. God, for His great love. What kind of love? We don't have the word to describe the endless dimensions of God's love. Our language is not adequate enough for us to comprehend and understand the endless dimensions of God's love. So God has to do it not only in word form, but also in deed and in truth, in action and in character and in conduct, as well as in His language. And He did all these things. He is so rich in mercy that He demonstrated His great love for us in all these things, even when we were dead in sins, in verse 5, he has quickened us together with Christ, for by grace are you saved. He has raised us up together, made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Now look at verse 7. See, that's the highest summits of His glory, to which we have been lifted up and raised up, because we are in Him for what purpose? That in the ages to come He might show the exceeding riches of His grace in His kindness toward us through Jesus Christ. He's going to put on an eternal show. His love will be consummated within our lives. He'll put on an eternal show that will demonstrate and show forth unto all and for all to see how great His love and mercy and grace has been unto mankind, unto those whom He created. The mind can't calculate it. Our understanding falls so short of it. We can't even begin to fathom the depth 
and the endless dimensions of so great a salvation. We just are staggered at what He has done. I dare to say that the average believer has not even taken the time to give adequate meditation to begin to comprehend that which God said we should be rooted and grounded in. But I know this. If we would begin to do it, it would give life new meaning. If we would begin to do to it, our hearts would be transformed. As a matter of fact, I'm going to quote to you a scripture it's found in 1 John chapter 4, verse 11. You can turn if you like. If not, that's fine. 1 John chapter 4, verse 11. The Bible says, Beloved, if God so loved us, if God so loved us, what do you mean if God so loved us? If He so loved us, the whole world, that He gave His only begotten Son for the whole world, that He left the throne to come to the manger scene, to be united with humanity for the purpose of destroying the works of the devil and bringing the invisible God into, into, into the realm of reality where man can see Him, the realm of, of visibility. If He loved us so much that He took upon Himself our suffering, He assumed our liabilities, He satisfied the claims of justice that were being held against mankind. If He loved us so much, this great love, that He then, after doing all that, actually took us and exalted us to a place, to a position with Him at His right hand in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. If He loved us with so great of love that we can't calculate it, we can't comprehend it, it bypasses our human reasoning and understanding, only our hearts can begin to perceive it. What's the next part of that verse say? We ought also to love... Boy, that sounds so small. I said, that sounds so small. In view of what we just said, does that sound big? We find it so difficult to really love one another like we should. But God did not find it so difficult to love the world like He did. It's only as we focus on His love for us. Individual person, it's only as you focus on His love for you. To what breadth, what length, what depth, what height. He went to do this for you. Then and only then, as your heart is transformed, as your spirit is filled with that love, as that love within our human spirit becomes alive within us, a living reality within us, then and only then can we love one another as we have been loved by God. And beloved, it's only when we begin to see that great love that God has for us and understand it in our heart, perceive it in our spirit, that we can then in turn, after contacting that love, touch the neighbor, touch the people of the town, touch the people of the city, touch the people of the nation, touch the people of the world, touch the black and the white, Touch the Jew and the Gentile, the circumcised and the uncircumcised, and really communicate that love to one another. We ought also to love one another as He loved us. 
if He loved us with such a great love. Husbands, love your wives. That sounds so small. It sounds so small in light of all of what God has done for us. But it's what He's asked of us. Love your family, your children. Come together as a body of believers. So there may be four, five, six hundred people. But love one another as I have loved you. Care for one another with genuine care. Humble yourself with genuine humility like He did. And love one another as I have loved you. I believe, my brothers and sisters, as we endeavor to fulfill this in our midst, I believe it will not be long before lives are transformed. It will not be long before marriages are restored and, and, and strengthened. And I, it will not be long before the, the Christian home becomes healthy once again, filled with and full of the life of God. It will not be long before people will begin to live at peace and harmony with one another. And I believe it will not be long before we can experience within our congregation of people, within our home lives, the very peace of heaven in spirit, in soul, in body, in the healing of relationships and coming together to achieve the purpose of God upon this earth. And that is to be the light of His love into a world of darkness. I really believe with all of my heart that this upcoming year is the year of divine love in the body of Christ like never before. And I really believe that multitudes of people are going to come together in love and be joined together and bonded together in love to such a degree that all things will be possible in their midst. Nothing shall be impossible to the body of people who walk in love. Can you say amen? Well, if you can get a hold of it, I say meditate in it. Ask the Spirit of God to enlarge it within your spirit. There's a lot there to perceive. But do this. Be a decision to be a doer of it. Make a decision to be a doer of it. Make a decision in your life to be a doer of it. This is what Christmas is all about. This is what the incarnation is all about. Not being selfish. Not being self-centered. Not being self-willed. Denying yourself. Not just for your immediate family. But denying yourself to reach out even to others who are in your community around you. But to be the light of love to reach out to those who you work with at your place of employment. But to be a light unto others that you go to school with at college who want to do wrong. But you are the one who loves them to such a degree that you show forth God's love in their lives and you become an influence unto them. To be such a person full of love that you show the world how a Christian marriage should be. How a Christian family unit should live in peace and in harmony. Until we as a local body of believers demonstrate into a world of darkness the light of God's love to such a degree that they are compelled by that love to be drawn in and to come in and find out what it's all about. Are you ready for the year of love? Let's all stand before the Lord. Are you ready for the year of love? Are you excited about the year of love? Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, 
I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.